And especially when we talk about Gen Z, this audience has a point of view. They are not just consumers, they are content producers. They see themselves as producers. And I believe there's an opportunity to make them part of the stage and to be able to utilize their opinions for good, for the good of others. Peer-to-peer trust wins every time. So I would like to see better, more enhanced visual merchandising that brings in social feeds so that other people can see what other people like. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. We have been having a lot of fascinating conversations about the new role of technology in stores. We've even gathered some fantastic data about what technology store design and experience teams are prioritizing and why, how they align with their goals and their challenges. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into some of these questions and topics today with our friend, Beth Warren. Now, I've known Beth for a very long time, and I've always enjoyed having conversations with her. Well, more so brainstorming sessions. She's SVP of Marketing for Creative Realities, and she's their go-to retail subject matter expert. So I always enjoy digging into proof points, examples, ideas of how digital and physical can come together. So honestly, we're just going to chat it up a little bit. We're going to dig into some of the trends that she's seeing, what is exciting her clients and her partners, and also some of the tactical areas, best practices, things to consider, especially if you want to embrace some new revenue models and opportunities like retail media in stores. Listen in. I'm excited to share this one with you because this was a fun one. Beth, it is so good to have you on the show. Finally, thanks for being here. You are so welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Always love to chat with Alicia. (laughs) I know. And we've known each other for, I don't want to say how many years, but years. And we've always bonded over our passion for in-store experience and ways that brands are incorporating technology specifically into that experience in meaningful ways. So let's start there. Let's get folks acquainted with you if they don't know you already. Share a little bit about your day-to-day, how you support brands and retailers in your work at Creative Realities. Perfect. Happy to do that. So um, I joined Creative Realities about 10 years ago with the sole purpose of bringing my retail strategy background to the world of tech to help brands and retailers deliver inspired experiences that really hit the target for shoppers to help them shop. So in the old days, before we were more strategic, if you will, it was technology for the sake of. Now it's about making sure that that technology earns its right to the shopper journey. So in the role that I play, both um, with my marketing hat and also with my retail SME hat, Each and every day, we're working with clients directly to determine the right technology at the right part of the journey 
at the right time with the right message. So our company brings hardware, software, and content together to inspire the journey. So think of experiences like Endless Isle, lookbooks, digital merchandising, mobile to shelf, really anything that's intelligent, responsive, and aware we're capable of doing. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up this notion of technology for the sake of technology, because I agree that was something that we saw for a long time, a lot of companies just wanting to get the headlines and get that excitement. And now I feel like we're in this really interesting position because obviously with the pandemic and things opening back up, there is this hunger and this excitement around the in-store experience again, which is great. But then the question is, well, what role is technology playing now? Because there are some new behaviors that have emerged and matured after that pandemic period. And we don't have to get too deep into the pandemic stuff because I think everyone <laughs> everyone knows what happened there. But what are the new challenges? What are the new questions that brands and retailers have because you're looking at this through the lens of like, okay, how do we do this strategically and thoughtfully? Absolutely. And the pandemic really set us up for a new level of success. I think the pandemic was terrific <laughs> for retail, to be quite honest with you. It really accelerated how we utilize um, technology along the journey. But the things that I'm seeing quite regularly is sort of two questions. Hey, give me the wow factor. So help me with experiences that keep my store fresh and exciting and immersive and a place that people want to come in. And also give me the now, what I call the now factor. Give me technology experiences and digital signage-based experiences that help people choose and help make the most out of that shopping visit right now for conversion. So some of the more immersive, married to the practical. I'm also seeing requests for clients who are interested in monetizing their assets in new ways. So think about if you have a screen or any kind of visual merchandising experience, how are we able to help a client be able to utilize that for the purposes of additional revenue generation? So figuring out new ways for retail to become its own media channel, which no doubt we'll talk about because of the proliferance of retail media. But I would say the wow factor, the now factor, and the money factor. Right. No, that's great. And I love that now versus wow idea. Does operational efficiency play into that now side of the equation? Because I know in our own research, like we have our annual store design and experience survey that we do, a lot of the technology that we saw being either already implemented or prioritized over the next year tended to center around that efficiency and operational side of things. So digital signage transparently was at the top because there is kind of that tie into, okay, the associates are busy, let the customer have a bit more control or let the associate help the consumer using this technology. So does that play a role in that now conversation? Totally. First of all, all kinds of digital helps automate processes. It also helps automate things like maintaining visual merchandising through automation of content. It also helps to host and control experiences that the sales associates use to be able to deliver a level of service at the front line. So do I have inventory in stock? What other colors or sizes does this come in? 
Can I call the back to bring additional merchandise to the front and get that in an automated way to the fitting room so that the customer has a shorter wait time? All of these types of experiences are degrees of automation. And that's the beauty of software. Software can take what's going on for a retailer in the back end and help the front end with a visual response and a service response. Got it. Got it. And then for the wow factor, it seems like a lot of brands are thinking about achieving that wow factor for younger consumers, which I think has always been the case, right? Like when I first started covering this industry, it was all about millennials. Now we are older, (laughs) therefore (laughs) less attractive. So everybody's talking about Gen Z. Everybody's talking about Gen Alpha. And there are some interesting use cases around like interactive mirrors, AR, like virtual try-on that, like you said, bring the greater depth of product to the forefront. People can browse and explore. But then there's also that context of being able to, quote unquote, try it on. But I feel like there are a lot of other things that play into this whole idea of capturing the hearts and minds and wallets of Gen Z. So what are you seeing? What are you hearing even from your clients, because I'm sure there are big discussions about target customers in the early stages of projects, right? Everyone wants to capture the hearts and minds of Gen Z. And this demographic is the first of its kind. They were born with the mobile in their hand and they have access to information like no other age or demo before them. So they were born with Google. And so they're very smart and they have self-selected. And they're also very, very brand aware, and they're aware of a gimmick, and they're aware of a ruse. So I'll get to that in a moment. But I think the most important point about Gen Z that lands with me is that they are more inquisitive than they are acquisitive. So they're about learning and taking in information and gathering knowledge and being able to acquire a skill, right, versus acquiring stuff. So they're going into retail with that lens, with that mindset. What can I try? What can I play with? What can I learn? What can I experience? And so that informs how immersive digital should be and can be created to capture them. So Something simple, lift and learn technology, gaming technology, experiences that catch you by surprise, something that responds to you when you're in front of it, it might know you. Personalized experiences that target you as an individual because this group prizes individuality, it's sacred to them. So they don't necessarily want to be caught up in the masses. They want to be singled out and recognized for who they are. And then my point earlier about brand karma, very, very important to this group. This group is about connecting with brands and retails that retailers that represent who they are, represent their values, and that prize justice, social behavior, and social equality and sustainability. So those are sort of the key themes that we are hearing that are important to retailers. And it's what we sort of say, hey, look, you can be more relevant with Gen Z if you hit those messages and those sort of factors that they relate to more directly. Right. And and what I find most interesting about this entire conversation is that a lot of the opportunities are contextual, right? Like if I am going to a store, 
my needs, my expectations may be a little bit different depending on the day and my mindset and how I'm feeling and what I'm looking for in that day and in that moment. But there are still those innate triggers that impact me all the time, right? So there's like a lot of things to consider, I think, in the strategic planning process. And and even when something is implemented in stores, there's the idea of tinkering and optimizing based on how people are interacting with the technology. So the one thing you don't want to do is replicate. You don't want to duplicate something that you can do on your phone as an individual behavior or at home. So we're very deliberate to coach our clients to make sure that whatever we put out there in retail is appropriate for the environment and helps people make decisions or helps them engage in a different new way. You can certainly have the mobile as part of that. That's really important. But we want heads up, not heads down. It's an extension versus a tug of war. It's a compliment. That's right. Versus a tension point. Got it. Got it. So with that in mind, what do you think are some of the biggest opportunities right now? We've talked about a few things like that idea of contextual, interactive, monetization. What gets really... What generates the excitement, I guess, among your clients Like as you walk through possible scenarios? What's top of mind for them? I love this question. And it's my story. I'm going to stick to it because clients are very, very curious about social and social integration. And I feel user-generated content of all kinds is underutilized at the point of engagement at retail. So what do I mean by that? Ratings, rankings, reviews, testimonials, demos things of that nature. And especially when we talk about Gen Z, this audience has a point of view. They are not just consumers, they are content producers. They see themselves as producers. And I believe there's an opportunity to make them part of the stage and to be able to utilize their opinions for good, for the good of others. Peer-to-peer trust wins every time. So I would like to see better, more enhanced visual merchandising that brings in social feeds so that other people can see what other people like. And it's a tremendous benefit to shopping because it's authentic. And again, authenticity counts. Authenticity matters to this group. In fact, authenticity and the desire for authenticity is a current across all social demography at this point. I mean, look what we go through with politics and the environment and our economic world right now. We're always very skeptical of the messages that come out in front of us. So it's another way to help amplify truth. And so that's been a curiosity for clients. How can they do it in a way that is safe, in a way that's moderated, in a way that removes the risk? Because at the end of the day, brands and retailers for that matter, they have an asset to manage. They have equity that they have to control and support. So how do you do that in a way that mitigates risk, but also really delivers the best version of authenticity. Right. And is there a possible connecting point with retail media? Because I know we've been hearing a lot about how to bring retail media into stores. How do we amplify that opportunity? You mentioned monetization earlier. Is there a way for like these two worlds to kind of play together and support each other at all? I think so. That's the beauty of software. Software allows multiple types of content to come together seamlessly according to business rules. 
So retail media and the success of retail media, which by the way, is an out of store online experience can come to the store as an in-store experience in a way that's scheduled according to the rules and software enables other endemic forms of content and social to be integrated into that in terms of a playlist and to have a more curated experience that is specific to the journey. So what you might see in an end of aisle might perform or speak differently than another location in the store. But there's tremendous possibilities. We're just scratching the surface of learning how retail media can be applied to the in-store journey. Right. And I understand it. it is early days. It's a lot of experimentation. So based on that experimentation, what is required? Like, what should retailers be thinking about as they say, okay, we want to start testing this concept? Well, first of all, I think it starts with their internal organization because most companies are siloed and they have to be because they have budgets, they have expertise in areas of experience that they rely on across their different marketing channels. So I think my first observation or piece of advice, if you would, would be for the folks in retail operations, store planning, to mix and mingle with the folks in marketing and e-commerce to get really to get schooled and to have knowledge sharing and dunking in the world of retail media so that that group of you know the folks who are in charge of making the decisions in store really understand the data that supports the retail media network and then figuring out how to bring that into store because right now we're seeing it's very different groups of people tasked with those kinds of decisions so that's the first thing the second thing is to get smart on data and get smart on digital in terms of the hardware and the software that is required to be able to leverage and optimize the notion of retail media in store because you need great hardware, i.e. screens or endpoints or devices, you need a network and you need software that can bring it together. So retailers are pretty good in terms of leaning on IT for that kind of support. So having retail ops, store planning, IT, marketing, and the omni-channel folks come together as a collective to be able to solve this I think is the next next, if that answers the question. Yeah, yeah. And I think that collaboration and alignment helps ensure that all of the puzzle pieces, so to speak, fit together into this strategy. But who really owns it? Like, I feel like with most technology decisions or strategic decisions, obviously there's a committee, but there's usually like the person that's guiding or shepherding the vision and, and making sure that there's alignment. Like, is that is that operations or who is it? I wish I had an answer that was a consistent answer, but like every category and every customer is a snowflake. Okay. It really depends. In the work that I do, that we do with retailers, it tends to be in store operations. The folks who are running the store and responsible for the planograms, the category management, the journey, the visual merchandising, not the creative necessarily, but getting the fixturing and so forth in and up. They're the folks who tend to shepherd this because they're stewarding strategic plans for that particular location. And they're working either probably dotted line with IT and with their infrastructure to make sure that the data and the connectivity is there to make that happen. And then marketing tends to sit across, right? So 
if they have a tight relationship with marketing, it'll be easier for them to be able to take the things that happen outside the store and bring them inside the store, even for a test and learn. So there's a lot that happens at the store operations and planning level. In many cases, not all, but that's been our experience for big box, for grocery, for department stores, and for specialty retail. Right. Because I could imagine there's a lot of nuance that plays into making this happen successfully. So making sure the right products are aligned and the right content is aligned to where products are placed in the store, but also you don't want to promote something in the store that's not available, or maybe you do, but you have to have the content ensure that there's a clear call to action. Like there are a lot of layers here, I can imagine. There's so many layers, including selling the space. Right. You've got to be able to sell it to advertisers too. So there's a whole other media layer there. You might think it's simple. It's not easy. That's for sure. And so we're just at, we're scratching the surface on not only enabling the technology, but getting the right people in the room, to your point, to be able to make this happen so that it can be automated and it's scalable. You don't want to have to do this for five locations. You want to be able to put this into place so that you have it for a hundred locations or a thousand locations. You want to be able to have that. Thankfully, the, the software is there. It's really the point of integration of the human factor to get what we've learned and how the system works for the desktop and the mobile. So e-com and MCOM to really bring it to what I call SCOM, ShopCom. So we're part of those conversations and we're gaining traction. Macy's is gaining traction. Best Buy is gaining traction. Those are two of our clients with whom we're working to get a little bit more sophisticated. But we see that there's, we see that there's gaps at the client level that we need to sort of help bridge so that the, the two hands are shaking to be able to do that and do that appropriately. And of course, there's budget issues, et cetera. But everybody wants to be there. That's the good news. There's desire on all sides to be there and to be able to utilize retail as a bona fide advertising channel. I'm glad you brought up budget because that is definitely something that we've been hearing, making the case for these investments. And I'm sure there's a benefit in that bringing this technology to the store to support retail media. It touches different areas of the business, right? So the benefits are more clear at a surface level. But how are conversations going in terms of expected ROI and how to measure success? Because, you know, I know, especially with marketing, e-com and growth teams, it's all about measurement and closing that loop. So is that fully fleshed out yet? Like we don't have to go there if we can't. No, it's tough. It's kind of tricky. And the reason why there's so much pressure on return on investment is because somebody's got to write a check. It's capital expense which is different than OPEX and CAPEX or different capital expenditure. Somebody's got to write a check and it's an asset that has to depreciate over five years. So the return on investment has to be very, very quick. There are now companies that will help offset that investment and they will help figure out who the advertising and where the advertising dollars are coming from. So it takes the pressure off of retailers having to fund that themselves. That's a whole other discussion, but that's available and that's a technique and a strategy that's in the here and now. Okay. But return on investment is tricky. Most of the time we're seeing expected returns within six months to 18 months. And it's basically about sales lift and size of basket. Those are the two metrics that we see the most expectation in. Am I selling more versus, you know, month prior? 
is the ring larger? And you can measure that at the register because you can tie that back to where your digital assets are activating along the journey. So the measurement is pretty straightforward. It's that expectation of how much do I have to sell over what period of time to be able to break even. And so we're seeing that between six and 18 months. Okay, got it. So with all of this in mind, I feel like we've covered a lot. (laughs) How can brands ensure that they're set up for success as they go through this process? Like, how can they make sure that they have a strong foundation in place and that they have an approach for measuring, testing, learning, and improving? Because I feel like, again, tying back to this budget conversation, there has to be a framework for that, right? For sure. First of all, internal communication, sharing knowledge, collaborating with all the areas of the marketing mix is going to be the most important achievement before you figure out how to activate the journey with retail media. So making sure that all of the departments are speaking, the omnichannel and marketing and store planning and facilities and operations and IT and even procurement are talking and learning from one another. I think just a proof of concept and sharing budget to fund a proof of concept and to test not only what might be able to scale, but what might fail and be okay with that, right? And then I think setting reasonable objectives and reasonable timeframes for results and then mapping out, okay, what does success look like? What are we willing to live with? What are we not? And then what are we going to do with the results? If you're not aligned or clear on what to do with what you learn, then sometimes things fall by the wayside and they die on the vine. And that's not necessarily good because then you lose that momentum, you know? So you have to be, I think, forthright in asking the hard questions of it. Okay, if this doesn't work the way we want it to, how can we repurpose those learnings And then where do we go? How do we apply that knowledge moving forward? That's great. And I want to make sure before we go that I ask about how to ensure success during those proofs of concepts, during those tests, because obviously store associates play a really big role in this process, especially if it's assisted. So how should brands be thinking about the actual rollout and getting teams on the floor teams aligned, excited, and that they're using it successfully? I think that's a great point because a lot of times we put stuff out there on the floor and people don't know how to work with it or utilize it. it. Even something like a lookbook or an endless aisle, if that education layer is missing, then the sales associate doesn't really know how to utilize it, how to activate it and how to support it. So technology fortunately can help with the automation part and the support and managing the support. So that's amazing. We can take that burden off the sales associate, but training, education, and establishing new routines and new patterns when something comes on the floor, I think is vital to success. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the gap that sometimes we see. 
where someone builds something, it gets dropped into position, whether it's one store or a hundred stores, and it kind of kind of sits there and it languishes. So brands like Lululemon, I'm going to point them out. They do a really, really good job at getting their sales associates engaged in what they put out there and they're constantly testing and learning. So I love them for like a best practice of who's doing it really well and they constantly keep it fresh. So I think that's definitely part of the metric is sales associate engagement and then getting feedback from the sales associates as well. So when you're in learning mode, have conversations with what's going on in the front line. How did they do with adoption? What was it like working with customers? And if it was just a static piece of signage with advertising, did they notice that area being shopped? Did it solve a shopper problem? Did inventory move? That kind of thing. So you can see that in the numbers, but you can also see that qualitatively. And so those questions and those conversations are super important to have with the front line. Oh, that's great. So getting feedback from the customer, but also the associate can paint a pretty strong picture. Then as far as anything else, like, again, I feel like we covered <laughs> covered a lot in, in this quick conversation. There are probably a lot of follow-up questions and inroads that we could take, but we only have a couple more minutes. We've talked about what we should do or what brands should do, should be thinking about. Are there any things that they should avoid? Any red flags they need to be on the lookout for? Because I feel like especially with technology, there's so much excitement and there are so many opportunities for ideation, testing, learning. As they go through that process, are there any things that they should pause and be like, oh, like, hold on, let's take a step back. Let's think this through or or let's pivot and, and find a new approach Like as they go through this process? I think two things. Learning from their vendor community is really important. So even if you're not working with a particular partner in a certain area, call them in and learn. If you are not working with a data company, call a data company in and get their perspective. Talk to brand agencies that have really good data on trends and get them in the room. Talk to technology companies that say that they're end-to-end, make sure that they are, you know. So be informed, I guess, is the most important thing. Be informed with the resources out there and then trust those resources to be able to deliver. I think that's a big one too. And then every opportunity is a learning opportunity inside an organization. So bring your colleagues in and get their point of view. Again, another opportunity with retail media networks in mind. It's so, so important that the folks who are able to do these things that are doing it on the online, in the online channels, have them hear what the retail you know, trades are recommending and what the digital experts are recommending and have those conversations of what else, what if, and what more, because that's how improvement happens. And that's how collaboration, because collaboration <laughs> is what moves mountains and it makes magic. So don't assume you know it all and don't be afraid to ask questions and that's seek right. counsel from others. Yeah. I love that. Beth, well, it's been a real pleasure. I always love chatting with you. I always feel like we go in a lot of fun, interesting directions. So thank you again so much for taking the time out to chat with me today. You are so welcome. Anytime. And to all of you listening, if you have any follow-up questions for Beth, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. You may see every week when we launch a new episode, we tag our guests, we tag their companies. So again, if you have follow-up questions there, 
just add on to the feed. We'll make sure Beth sends you an answer. And of course, if you have any feedback on this episode or the show as a whole, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Frankly, anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are likely there. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. We have new episodes coming to you weekly featuring some of the industry's top minds, ideators, and change makers. And that way you will get new episodes as soon as they're available. That's it for now, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.